Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you uh, in more or less chronological fashion with Gundam Universal Century. Um, This week we are covering the final three episodes of 0083, but that is not our last episode in the series. We'll talk more about it as we go along. Um, Today we have with us Luke. I'm doing my best scrunchy-faced co-impression right now. And Scotty. Did you know that Quattro Bagina is a reference to the James Bond film Octopussy? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? I feel like Scotty has one of two things prepared for every episode. I, th- I feel like he has like a random quote generator or he has like a, a thing that says like, let's just riff on this today. <laughs> I literally came up with that one in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah so uh today we're gonna do episodes 11 through 13 and then um we're talking about uh the next episode we're gonna cover all of the manga that has been translated into english uh, uh, i think we stopped at like volume seven or eight um i have to look back and, and do the exact notes on it but then we'll do basically i think it's going to be eight through 11 or 12 i think has been translated i think 11 is the last translated thing okay we're going to have to go back like two years from now and be like, all right, this is the episode where we just cover all of the ends of all the things that weren't over when we actually covered them on the show. Yeah, yeah we, we, we have the one that, uh, oh, Go ahead. I was going to say, t- volumes 12 through 14 are out, but they are not translated into English anywhere. And you know, if, if I could uh, make it to Japan this summer, which is looking increasingly dicey, um, for the Olympics because of coronavirus, then um, I, I would grab some of these volumes that are out that we don't have translated and just kind of like read them. Oh, <laughs> you can go on Amazon Japan. They'll ship them here. It's oh, really? not that expensive. Maybe. Yeah. Have you guys seen that Simpsons episode uh, with the Osaka flu? Like you're, you're just going to get coronavirus from the box. It's very possible. Oh, hmm. I hope not. I have something on the way from there. Like, yep, I, w- I wish you the best of luck. If you notice any flu-like symptoms, please contact your physician. Yeah, you know, I've already had the flu this year, and I'm not over 60 years old, so I'm really not too worried about this thing. Yeah. We just had our first death, I think. We've had, like, two now, I think. In the and, like, a nursing home. But but keep in mind, whoever's listening to this is probably listening to this about three or four weeks in the future. So oh. by this time, it's going to be, like, the oh. apocalypse, and our banter here is going to look very... Um, Ooh, another... <laughs> another uh, Thing that will be irrelevant by the time uh, this comes out. Um, we ordered some laptops uh, for work, and they told us it was going to take almost three months to get them. And we're like, "What the hell?" Come to find out, there's a huge like NAND SD RAM and DRAM shortage due to conflicts between South Korea and Japan, coupled with coronavirus. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I help organize a uh, security conference, and somebody was looking at sponsoring the lanyards for the the badges. Mm-hmm. And um, they came in like a week or two too late, and we were basically we had basically had to tell them no because there's such um, backlog and yeah. there's like limited factories open that make these just like randomly sponsored lanyards because of the coronavirus, which is yeah. you'd never think stuff like that would be impacted. And, and I would never think, given all of the factories on Von Braun, that they would drop a colony on it. But that's where our episode begins. Yeah. Von Braun. So we we've come to Von Braun a handful of times. This is basically where Anaheim is uh, founded, and most of their work comes out of. I think there's like another mobile suit factory in 
like side six or something like that. I think there's some work that goes out there, but there's, I think Von Braun's like the main mobile suit place. Um, as we kind of discussed in Thunderbolt, that's why um, so, the wants to blow up the, so the The last episode ended with us finding out about like GPO three, right? Um, so this starts like right with them getting to Anaheim to go like collect that, right? Um, well, the episode starts off with Seema and the Seema's fleet and Delaz's fleet linking right. up, right. Um, and Delaz believes Jabrow has done nothing. They can't do anything. Um, I think the, the term he uses is the arrow has been shot. So at this point, um, the, he thinks the Federation is fucked because again, as we mentioned before, they did this uh, naval review and so they had to pull probably 90% of their ships out um, to Compey uh, Island and uh, then they shot this uh, rocket at the moon, right? Right, the moon. <laughs> um, so yeah, the military wants to ignore the Axis fleet and um, there's just this weird scene where the military and the civilian leadership are butting heads a lot. Um, the civilian leadership wants to deal with the Axis fleet, but again, there's not, they don't go into a ton of detail here, but I think this is just more foreshadowing for the things that happen later in the show that there are there are agreements made that not everybody is aware of at this point well this is foreshadowing to zeta because if you know what happens in zeta mm -hmm. if you don't i guess i won't give it away but if you know what happens you'll know why there are certain forces within the federation that would see this axis fleet and go you know we'll we'll leave them alone as long as they really remain neutral they'll yeah. totally remain neutral and we'll put a time limit on it because we have our forces from Solomon or Compey Island that can intercept this colony and ignite its propellant and it'll be taken away and it, it'll be fine. Nothing would go wrong with working with Axis. Exactly. Mon Khan and her daddy are, are good people. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so we jump back to the Albion and they dock at the Lavian Rose, um, which is like this giant, space colony that looks like a flower um it's a dock, and it, it's a dock ship it's not it's a, a colony uh, well it's it's huge though it it's also very not, big it also does not look like a flower looks uh, like an octopus maybe maybe has, a little bit like a quattro bagina um no <laughs> so, it looks like the thing from a scanner darkly or just like a big claw either way uh, it's a it is a large ship, not massive. It, it's not massive, but it is quite big. It has living quarters. They have mobile yeah. suits there. It's um, affiliated with Anaheim. Uh, you're going to see this uh, if you follow along. This is the first appearance of La Vian Rose chronologically, mm -hmm. but it is very, very extremely far from its last appearance. This will come up in the next. Uh, Three series, yeah. I think in the next three series, and then they might mention it in Char's counterattack. I don't know. It doesn't have any kind of big role there, but um, yeah. So they're docked there. I think one thing we did skip here is that we mentioned the Axis fleet, and that's because uh, Gato is there, and they are providing him with the Noya Zeal. Yeah, his his nice mobile armor. Uh, yeah, so they get to the Lavian Rose and Co finds out he does not get to pilot the Unit 3. Um, there is uh, some 
annoying guy from the military there that basically is um, shutting down the Albion's interactions with the Gundam and the chase of the Delaz fleet. Um, I'd say his name matters, but it doesn't. Uh, He's there to be an asshole. That's yeah. the whole purpose. Yeah. He is a bureaucratic person that is shutting down things. Nakato? Um, Nakato. Is that who you, you're talking about? Nakato? Yeah, Commander Nakato. Yeah. Yeah. But he sucks. Um, but yeah, Ko is pissed that he doesn't get to be the pilot of Unit 3. Um, basically, they're they're told that the Albion is going to just be there and protect the Lavian roads from now on. That they can fuck off in the middle of space and do nothing. Um, um, we also see that Admiral Cohen has been removed from the Gundam development program at this point. Um, or we're told that. Um, and we meet Lucette. And if we've, we're talking about the manga, we've already actually met Lucette very briefly yeah. at the beginning of the manga. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lucette is at the Lavian Rose. Uh, again, they told her to go there in the manga. And she is in charge of Unit 3. And her and Nina are buddy buddies. Yeah, did, did they say that? Because I don't think Nina was involved in the development of Unit 3. It was She was like the lead developer on Unit 3, right? Correct. Yeah, so the way... In the manga... In, in the anime, uh, Nina's in charge of one and two, mostly. Yeah. And then um, Lucette is in charge of three. In the manga, I think there's a unit zero, and I forget the lady's name. She shows up in the show, but she's not really named a lot. It's uh, Haxel. It's the director that's on the right. movie in Rose. You know, she was in charge of the unit zero, or the, yeah, the she, Taldis wannabe. Yeah, so she was in charge of unit zero and unit four. Um Nina was in charge of Unit 1 and ostensibly tied to 2. Xeon engineers were, were in charge of 2. And then yeah. Lucette is in charge of 3. So it's a little bit different um, because there's no Unit 4. And yeah, Let's be careful, though. Former Xeonic engineers were yeah. in charge of Unit 2. It's very important. Well, because Xeon is still a location. so Yeah, yeah. Xeon aligned people, yeah. Um, because they had spies and everything involved as well. Um, so Lucette wants Ko to be the te- test pilot for Unit 3. Um, Nina does not want that because how is she going to get her... He doesn't want... She doesn't want Ko to like hook up with Nina because, you know, who, whoever's Gundam you pilot is who you bang at the end of the night. Um, Lucette... seem a little bit like that, but I also got the interpretation that, like... There's a little bit her not wanting Ko to be involved anymore, and a little bit like he's supposed to be piloting my Gundam. I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel that way, but I, did. <laughs> I I was mostly being facetious. I think her her primary want is for Ko to not be involved anymore. Um, she hints multiple multiple times, and I think she even says straight out at one point she doesn't want Ko and Gato fighting each other. Yeah. Um, I think that's a little later on, but she does specifically. But, but I think that's her primary motivation. She doesn't want Ko getting killed. Um, I don't think she actually cares that it's um, Lucette's mobile suit at the end of the day. I mean, I think there's a little, maybe a little bit of like pride in that. Um, but yeah. Um, Lucette basically tells Nina um, that she is a retard and um, just acting like a fool because she lost unit one. 
Um, well, and two. <laughs> well, Lucette is manipulating both of them a little bit. She knows Nina's crazy and that she can play on that too. Really, she just wants, like, the unit three is almost done. She doesn't want it to go to waste. She wants it used. There's someone there that can use it for a purpose, and she wants that to happen. And yeah. that might seem a little bit shallow. Uh, well, that's where we are in this series, right? That's as deep of a motivation as I can glean from it. And well, I mean, if you think of it from, like, a, 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 a logical perspective of an engineer, these, these people, Lucette and Nina, have both put probably year, maybe not years, it's 0083, so maybe years of work into designing these mobile suits. And Cole, Cole and Keith really were were brought to be test pilots for these Gundam suits. And Cole is the only one that's got, got any experience fighting in, in the Gundam. And he fought, you know, a famous Xeon pilot and drew to a stalemate. So... I mean, her motivation to want co-fight in it makes a lot of sense from some from some angles. I think I think it's basically like this guy knows how to pilot, and I want him to pilot. Like anybody else, it's it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be as good. It's not going to be a tested pilot because I'm going to have a guy that's piloted a Gundam, fought in a Gundam, and he's going to be able to give me feedback and tell me like what what's going on here. Um, yeah, so we see Gato in his uh, new mobile armor, and he is just raining havoc uh, from above as much as you can in space, um, just blowing shit up. Nightmaring. Yeah, <laughs> being a nightmare. Um, so one of the, thing, one of the things that I, I thought would be a good thing to mention at some point here before... Uh, it's just a matter of course the uh, Neue Ziel uh, it's a little hard to say properly in German but it's a German name of his mobile armor Right. Uh, in English that translates to new target mm-hmm. and if you think about where the show is now that he has taken out the Federation fleet at Solomon and what we know is going on with the colony drop it's uh, I think it's a fitting name that you know, like they have a new target or a new goal at this point, separate from Solomon and, and taking out a lot of the Federation fleet. So neat little play on words there. And it's a very 90s thing to have your um, big robot named something German. Yeah, and German I was actually robot. looking it up. That, like This is like the only version of the Neue Zeal that there is. So there's there's technically a Neue Zeal 2, but it only shows up in like SD Gundam generation or something like that. Um, so like this doesn't count. Yeah, this doesn't count. So this is like a mobile armor that's developed specifically for him. And it looks kind of, I don't know, it, it looks really cool um, to me. Uh, it's kind of like a mix of the, I don't know how to explain it really. Um, well, I see you guys that maybe like panel. a Xeon, but more, more like a, more like a insectoid version of the Xeong. It doesn't have like the big arms and body. It's got more of like these, it's like a cross between a Xeong and a Kshatriya without like the forearms. Well, I sent you guys that jokey four panel, but it looks a little bit like an angel from Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So Lucette is trying to give co-unit three under the table because she 
wants her <laughs> wants her suit tested, but she also is uh, trying to say like, listen, this is one of the only ways we can actually defend uh, the Federation. Um, and Ko, it looks like he's mostly on board, but he's also kind of hesitant at the same time because you know he knows what the repercussions of taking a mobile mobile suit. Well, he, he was specifically barred by his commanding officer not to do it, so he's basically yeah. like he's going AWOL to do that. Right. Um. Yeah. So back to back to our Xeon buddies. We see uh, Sema is communicating with Von Braun, and she's basically like, "All right, guys." If you shoot these solar arrays, um, you'll be saved. And we don't really get an idea of what that's for until they do it about three seconds later. So basically, uh, there's been some comments here and there that the Federation wanted to basically take the colony and um, fire its thrusters to kind of divert it from hitting the moon. Um, but there was debate on whether it had enough propellant to do that. Well. Seema solves this problem on her own by having Von Braun shoot a laser into the solar panels and it absorbs the, the laser energy. Um, and it also, then, um, uh, sorry. So it absorbs the laser energy and they are able to use the thrusters before it hits the earth or hits the moon and mm -hmm. it re redirects to hit the earth. Yep. And this now, when you see all of this, it, puts the full context together of why Seema and Sullivan were meeting in episodes six and seven. Yep. Right. Because Sullivan's the one that fires those lasers. He's the only one that does not look concerned. Mm -hmm. Like the other guys on the moon are like, uh, this looks bad. And he's like, me, me, me. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yep. So at this point, um, Ko decides to actually hijack unit three um, and there's a lot of like back and forth and they're, they're actually like taking way too long to hijack this thing. Like, like you're sitting in there, think like for like five minutes, they're sitting there going back and forth and you're like, all right, are you going to fucking get in the mobile suit or not? And, um, when he finally, oh, look, the tail can be used as a docking mechanism. Oh yeah. I knew. Yeah. He made a comment about the tail being a docking mechanism. She's like, I knew you were the right one to pilot this. Like, That's all it took. Y'all are stealing something. I mean, shut up. Yo. I think I think Lucette wanted to dock with Co, but <laughs> you want to uh, dock with the with the Gundam. <laughs> so and yeah, what, um, all the women in the show want. Yeah, Co is like, I don't know, a, like a virgin with like a, a but a chick magnet at the same time. Um, hey, Co is token, oblivious anime protagonist. All right. He, I mean, he's he's kind of like a typical. Um, Gundam pilot in a, in a lot of ways. Like he, he fits a lot of the tropes. Um, he cries a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. So, oh, apparently. So side side comment. The, apparently, the carrots thing is because his voice actor in in Japan hates carrots, and so like they wrote that in to like as a nod to the the, the voice actor. Makes me sad because I thought the whole time that it was like a, a big like showcase for his like like burgeoning maturity as a pilot and it's about the voice actor. Anyway. <laughs> um Yeah. So Lucette is 
trying to protect Cole because we see the the commander that had issued the order before for them to stay and protect and not pilot the unit three. Um, he gets pissed off. He pulls out a gun um, while they're trying to basically dissuade Co from taking the unit three. And Lucette jumps between him and her, and uh, or between the two guys, and she gets shot. Uh, she does not die, but you know it looks pretty nasty. So instead of honoring her sacrifice, Co flies back down to her and is upset. Um, but luckily, everybody else shows up from Albion and saves Co's ass, um, and he's able to take the Gundam. Like I, I just don't get it. Like. <laughs> Somebody saves you. All right, go. Go sac I'm sacrificing myself for you to so you can take this. Oh no, I'm gonna make sure you're okay. She got fucking shot up, man. She was not okay. Like that should have been pretty obvious. <laughs> he should have gotten in the gundam, pointed the gun or something at everybody, then said, Your pew pew guns mean nothing to me. And you have the one important note here, I guess important because it feels like they tacked all of this on at the end randomly anyway. But when Nina is holding Lucette while Lucette is dying, she goes, Nina, I knew three years ago back on Luna about the sausage party. She doesn't say a sausage party, but um, you know, she's implying that she knew that Nina and Gato were lovers, which is right. a thing that's just absolutely tacked on to this series and that did feel out of nowhere it well i mean even in the manga where they hinted at it at one scene i think that we've already read through um it was like when he met kelly like there were like these weird like flashbacks that show that they knew each other it, i mean it just seems like like even the authors of the rebellion were like man we got to make this work somehow <laughs> and they make it work a lot better better yeah but good no well yeah you can't that's right. this is a plot point that just no sorry there's, just, there's too many people in space for me to buy this yeah like it's way too convenient like all these characters that have never shown up before in anything and then are never seen again afterward and <sighs> yeah um but this is the part where uh nina mentions that she doesn't want to see ko and gato fighting um yeah whatever if it, if it makes you feel any better scotty when i went to idaho a year and a half ago i met a guy while i was there and i ran to him ran into him here in missouri <laughs> this week while i'm here so i mean we talked about it in the last episode scotty and i ran into each other in new york when yeah. neither of us live remotely close to new york right. but we're not talking about Gundam training bases in Australia and then lunar cities with the guy that was famous for the attack on the asteroid base. That's a much different scale here. Yeah. Yeah. Still. All right. So with that unit three launches and it's basically a Gundam with a mobile armor wrapped around it. Yeah. So this is the, the actual unit itself would generally be called the stamen. It's the GPO three stamen. Yeah. And the big old mobile armor is the dendrobium. Yep. I don't get the reasoning behind having like a big old mobile armor with a Gundam stamen versus just a mobile armor. Like I guess so that for show purposes, they can break the Gundam out and do Gundam things. I, I don't know. Well, I, guess, I mean, I guess it makes sense in, in some aspect that, like, if you've got something that can just interface with, like, a, a huge weapons platform. I mean, you see it in a lot of shows, 
Gundam's like coming into a battle with like these huge rocket launchers and like shoulder things and like they use up all the ammo and then they eject them and fight. So this is just like another variation of that, right? Like I would think. Yeah, yeah. I guess so I just like why, why don't they all do that? I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna get into debating about military technology decisions, so I'm not gonna <laughs> that. And, and I think in Gundam there is not always logic behind those. No, it's just sometimes cool. it's yeah, it's really right. Cool if we piloted the mobile armor with a Gundam instead of a human, but then the humans piloting the gun. Yeah, it makes the sense. problem yeah. is the dendrobium doesn't look cool. It sure doesn't. I, I was thinking that the whole time. I don't think it looks uncool. I don't think it's anything particularly special um, with it, other than it's got a ton of armor, a big old lance thing it, it almost looks like a knight on a horse like in a joust yeah, a no it. and it's very asymmetrical at times like mm -hmm. when he's got like the weird like shoulder rocket thing whatever the fuck those are he's got like one of those open and then like his jousty thing on the other side it's very asymmetrical and we it, it's it seemed it just didn't never felt natural to me well but unit now, three unit three looks a lot like just like a generic or 78 too almost like it, it i mean it's a little bit different but it's it's it looks like a very generic gundam and then it's like insert generic gundam into giant weapons platform i mean it is very very similar to the gpo one in look um not the fb because the fb's got like the big extra funnels and the longer shoulders um yeah it is really really similar to the gpo one outside of it but now one innovation that we learn as soon as episode 12 starts is that dendrobium has a 360 degree camera view which is not something that we have seen chronologically at this point i believe and i don't think we even see it again until camille makes the zeta it's uh so you think it's the first instance of them using that yeah yeah although yeah it's actually um, I, th I think because it's not done and various other reasons, we're not going to cover a cold to CL on this show. Uh, but I actually, I think the training gyms, uh, for space in that also have it. So I guess it does come up again before Camille does it, but yeah, I think this is the first time we've really seen that innovation put into practice. Yeah. Um, so we learn in episode 12 that there is nine hours left until the point of no return. So this kind of like starts the countdown for the show to be over. So there's two episodes left. Um, they are moving forward with, uh, so essentially the, with the redirection of the uh, colony, there is going to be another earth colony drop at this point. And once basically the art, what they're saying is once it hits a certain point, um, in, in its uh, route that it can't be, even if they were to like fire thrusters or move it or something like that, it it's, it's inside Earth's gravity well. So it's going to hit Earth regardless, right? So um, basically if they can't like break it up and do something with it before then, um, Earth is going to get nailed. Uh, yeah, so... We learned that there is a fleet, a Federation fleet that is trying to amass in front of the point of no return, um, but they will not make it to the point of no return. So basically they're gonna maybe engage it, but they're, there's not much they can do. Um, and then we also see, I think this is also the first mention uh, in the show uh, uh, of eye fields on mobile armors. Yeah, the dendrobium has one, um, and I don't. The Noya Zeal has one too. Yeah, I don't recall seeing one at any point. The Big Zam had one. Did it? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's to fire some of its weaponry, it has to drop the eye field, which is why uh, Slugger is able to fly up underneath it because he has to time that correctly to make his suicide attack against it. And that's the main mistake that Dozel makes in that fight is kind of dropping the eye field at the wrong time. Yeah. So one thing we do learn in, in here about the eye field, though, is it's like a very specific, like tacked on you, like piece to the mobile armor. So if you like, yeah, if you like blow off this piece, then the mobile, then the eye field is gone. Um, and that comes up later. But we just learned that this this is something that's there, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so, you know, Ko is out there and he's fighting in his dendrobium. Um, but he is forced to return to the Albion to resupply. Well, now, it's something major we have skipped here. I'm sorry. He, it, him and Gato are fighting in their mobile armors. The Noiseal and the Dendrobium are fighting. That's a yeah. So they fight, but it seems like man, it, it's not it's like a really the final consequential fight. It's like they fight. They use a lot of ammo up, and then yeah, and then Ko is forced to resupply. So yeah, yeah. not much comes of it, but. It, it still, you yeah, know, it's a big a deal. At the rematch, and Gato shoots off the eye field generator, um, right? Or, or at least disables it. I don't know if he shoots it off. And you also learned that uh, they're the Albion is, you know, they're approaching the colony to assault it, but they haven't even really had the fourth team or Keith um, engage. They're waiting to see if Coke can like break through uh, some of the lines that the Lost Fleet has put out there. Right. So they basically have. Um... I think it's Seema's unit that is is just hanging out in front of the colony. Um, and it's probably most of the Delaz fleet too, I think, right? Is it both of their their fleets? Yeah, they're generally in the same area. But yeah. the Seema fleet is really the escort for the colony. The, yeah. the Delaz fleet, I think, is closer to or, um, Earth at this point, but not by much. They're all getting pretty close. Yeah, so they're basically escorting the colony so that, you know, if somebody does assault the colony... They can fend off the attack until you know their their point of no return has passed. Um, but so yeah, Ko is forced to return to the Albion to resupply, and we see that Ko is completely strung out at this point. Like he has been fighting for a while, and he's angsty, and he's using stimulants. Um, yeah, he looks he's looking pretty rough. Like I I didn't really get the feeling that he had been out there for a particularly long period of time, but. Um, they kind of make a big deal about how long he's been out there, and they're they're kind of like drilling him, saying, "Hey, you need to come back in. You can't handle this anymore." Yeah, I don't think they they give a time on when he got out there, but basically, I mean, I would imagine if you're doing anything combat related, and you're like, basically, he's constantly fighting this entire time, and we know that that when we got the initial countdown, there were like nine hours until they hit the point of no return. And Ko is basically not resting this he, entire period. Yeah, the rest the rest period that they that they tell him he needs to stop, I think they have three hours left at that point. Yeah. If I recall correctly. Yeah, he is yeah, he's he strung out. Shoots up and goes back out. Yeah. Um so Ko <laughs> Ko is going to take his stamen out, which is you know, just the mobile suit, GPO th- or GPO three. Um, this is very much a, a we've we've all talked about Darling and the Franks before the stamen and the pistol. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is where I made my notes that this is a uh, a a link to those shows, and 
Um, obviously, it's not. The Gundam came first, and then these shows came. What, 85 or something like that? What's that? 1985, I think, was when the, the whole Stamen thing popped up. Well, what year was it? 0083 was like 90... 91, 92. Yeah. Yeah, but this isn't the only one that, that's used it, right? And Gundam? Yeah. Didn't Data have something? Not that I can recall. Not important. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was a, a, a you know. Co wants to hit Nina Franks style. The end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we see, Admiral, so we talked about a little bit earlier, Admiral Cohen had been removed from his position in the Gundam development project. Um, and now he is being arrested when he tries to convince other admirals to take action. Uh, basically, we see a, a call with SEMA between uh, SEMA and some of these other admirals. Go ahead. So you have the admiral that is on the transmission with SEMA is Colony. And you don't hear much about him, uh, but that's what the cat is there for. Uh, the cat is a reference to the Godfather. And so he is like Don Corleone behind the scenes. Mm. And that's why they have the cat. It's a it's a homage to the Godfather and a tip off of kind of the importance of this admiral. And then the other admiral that is with him that has the gun that he points at Cowan and has Cowan arrested is Jamitov Hyman or Hyman, one of Lane's favorite words. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So we see at this point this is basically a hint that. Hey, the Federation has been working with SEMA, or at least certain parts of the Federation, um, and they more or less know what's going on here, and they're cool with it for whatever their motive. We don't know exactly what their motivations are. We just know that they're in cahoots. I mean, I know what their motivations are, but we can talk about that when we get to that point. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, like at this point in the show, we don't know like what their plans are. Right. Um, but their their interactions have been hinted at multiple times. We talked about the SEMA fleet meeting up with um, the Birmingham at one point. So this is just, you know, hey, if you can't meet up, you just make a phone call, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so SEMA at this point betrays Delaz and takes over his ship. Um, and yeah, the that's that's about all there's it, this this scene kind of like rang back to me almost to like the Giran scene um when uh Cassilia and Giran were kind of going at it but yeah yeah this is more obviously aggressive on Sima's part right they've taken out a lot of the crew um you know they they have they they don't have excuse me she is not trying to covertly do anything at this point um, but we also learn it is 21 minutes to the time limit and we see Ko slicing a Musai with his big old sword. So he's trying to get to the colony. He thinks that the Dendrobium has enough firepower to do damage to it. Um, so we have a lot of Ko flying through space very fast. Very hard. He's flying as hard as he can. <laughs> You gotta press those. It's like pressing the pedal down. Like the the harder you press it with your foot, the faster you'll go. <laughs> and you're doing the ah. <laughs> it's you know when I'm going to work sometimes and I'm like running late. I'm like, 
<laughs> you um, just have to go to the next level of Super Saiyan. And you're <laughs> going to be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Albion closes in to, and, and engages the Delaz fleet. And at this point, they have uh, nine minutes left. Um, and we actually see Unit 3 getting wrecked pretty bad uh, in this battle where they're going. And it seems um, like the eye field was not working at this point. I think that was, it, I think it got basically wrecked when he was fighting uh Gato, right? Yeah. That's during this. I jumped the gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was during this. It was during this one. Yeah. This okay. was kind of like the penultimate, like it almost feels like the, uh, like a Bawaku battle where there's just so much stuff going on everywhere. This is actually like, there's a lot of good animation here. There's a lot of good fight scene fighting here. Um, but unfortunately, the good guys, uh, time expires and they pass the point of no return. And so, like, it's a. He did not seem like he had a shot at all because he, like, didn't even make it to the thing in time, like, let alone. It's not like he made it and then just couldn't blow it up in time. He was not close. It yeah, it was, it was a little too well defended. Yeah. I mean, no, he, that's the point. He gets there. As time expires, yeah. But then he also, you see this look in his face. That's this realization to me of even if I did, I don't know if I could have done anything. Yeah. Um, you know, he would have had to maybe purposely target some things that I don't even know if he would know about them to right. try to you know, do damage to it. He could have tried to knock a mirror off um, to destabilize it. So maybe there are some things he could have done with that really big old loadout, but he's also just in awe of the actual size of a colony and going, oh, not only am I too late, but fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so at this point, the Delaz fleet basically stops shooting and um, battle ends. And then we start seeing the new solar array. So we have a the last time we saw a solar array was the original Mobile Suit Gundam series. They were hanging this out in the middle of space near, I think it was probably near side six or something along those lines. And they fired it. And this is where they blew up um, the Revel fleet and the uh, uh, the Degwanzabi fleet. That was Garen's colony laser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was close. It, this is like the, the closest equivalent we've had so far. But so the feds had a solar system, and this is just the solar system, too. Yeah. Each side had a big super weapon. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, and so this is, we see Captain Basque and his Bato eyeglass things. <laughs> um, and he's all very pleased because he's got this solar system, too, and that's what they're going to use to stop the colony. Yeah. So Seema knew about the solar array and she basically ad ad admits that she was like, this is, she made a, an agreement with the Federation um, to betray Delage and this was going to like save her ass. Um, and Delage in his last moments before Seema blows his brains out um, says, tells Gato to keep on keeping on and um, do what you got to do. And you have to live on. <laughs> and so, of course, Gato goes and he he attacks the ship that with uh, with the laws and Sema in it. But Sema is able to survive for now. <laughs> yeah, Sema shoots Delaz. This enrages Gato, who then punches through the bridge, and all the air is escaping. But Sema gets away. She she seems fine after that. 
Well, it seemed like she kind of like knew he was right there at the point that she shot him. So she was like, oh, shit, I'm getting out of here. He was right there by the door. Right. And so what you don't see, this is um, this is something that I appreciated in uh, Mayfly of Space. I think it's the second one that they do this. Uh, But she's already got the Gabura Tetra at this point, which is the unit four, but then kind of like reskinned or reshelled to look more like a Xeon thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't know that yet, but she used it to get here Mm -hmm. to get to his ship. Um, And then as we get into the next episode, you just see her in it completely unexplained out of nowhere. So again, something. Well, that, that... Yeah. They don't explain the unit, but they, I mean, they explained at several points, at least one point when they were all on the moon that, you know, they were going to trade like certain things for a new unit for her. Yes. But you don't even realize that's important because the last battle we saw her and she was still in her Gelgook. Right. Right. So it's one of those things that yes, there is a tiny seed planted that something will be happening with it, but they sort of don't follow up on it until she just got the thing. And the first time I watched this series, I was like, what the fuck is that one? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm expecting that the manga will explain this a little bit better. Um, just it does. Because, um, there's that whole scene where they steal the unit for it. 100% does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we're moving into the final episode of 0083. Um, we start off with Synapse being ordered to work with the SEMA fleet, um, which everybody's like, huh? Why would we do this? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, um, and and now if you, if you weren't sick of countdowns after the last episode, this one starts where we learn. So this was just to the point of no return. That was our previous countdown, but now... We have 210 minutes until the colony drop. So three and a half hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, they've been ordered to, you know, Basque is telling Synapse that they have to defend the solar array or the solar system. Yeah. Yeah. So the Delos fleet attacks the solar array. Um, and Sima is super pissed that she wasn't able to kind of stop his fleet from doing what they're doing. Um, so we kind of see like this, this situation here where there's a Xeon on Xeon on Federation battle. So there's a, you know, SEMA versus Delaz versus the Federation at this point. Yeah, with a Federation thing that is really Titan elements and then the Albion like the other Federation. Yeah, it's a Zeta prequel. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of fighting of, of factions going on here. Yeah, this is a <clears throat> like almost like a dress rehearsal, like as you get to this point and then get into Zeta, especially. And this is, in my opinion, something Tamino does not do very well. Um, There are a lot of factions to start keeping track of. And I think he is very poor at helping a viewer along and knowing who is who. He thinks you're going to sit and digest and analyze and if you do, you're watching a 20 minute show. Yeah. If you do that even a little bit, then yeah, it's easy to figure out. But if you're a casual viewer, um, I think this series isn't super hard to follow with it. But especially once you get into Zeta, um, Reconquista and G, this is one of the biggest problems with that show is that he does not like heavy exposition, which is fine. But I think if you're a more casual viewer, it's very easy to get lost in it. That's my biggest critique of him on the whole and his storytelling method. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get that. So um, basically the solar arrays charging up as you do with solar arrays. Um, but they they decide to shoot it before it's ready. It's got like 80 something percent charge and they're like, nah, shoot it anyway. It'll it'll be enough. Um, yeah, it'll be fine. And and partially it was because they were they they knew that they were getting attacked and you know the, you know something could blow up and they would just completely lose the array if they well, waited. Well, and Gato is purposely targeting the control ship and right. Ask notices this. Yeah. So um, the control ship does get blown up and the colony is damaged, but it's still intact. It's basically a smoldering wreckage of what it is, but it's still like a full colony that's heading towards Earth. Um, and it actually like blows through the solar array at this point. Um, and then we learn the colony is now at about an hour and a half until it hits the earth. And uh, Nina steals a ship and heads towards the colony because that's what you do. You head towards a spare core fighter. Yeah. You, you steal a ship and you head towards, towards flaming wreckage in space. Uh, she was very clearly comfortable driving that thing too. I, I, you know, she developed a Gundam. I wouldn't put her put it past her that she's tested it on her own. Yeah, it looks like she's actively testing it right here. <laughs> anyway, um, so now we have Ko versus Sima, a very uh, uh, short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's 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 put it like this: If I were to be fighting Amuro Ray and a Gundam for the first time. I would expect the same thing to happen to me that happened to Sima. You know, um, most of the encounters, you know, with the grunts, it's the main character versus the grunt, and yeah. they just very swiftly take care of it. This yeah. fight is basically that with a couple of extra lines of dialogue. Yep. Yeah. Sima gets a shotgun to the face, or sorry, to the chest. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty, uh, it, that was pretty intense. <laughs> Him just like kind of like, she just gets like he kind of like stabs her with the gun barrel and then blows her up. And and you know what's funny is like like Scotty said, and I didn't even like draw this this comparison in my head when we were first watching it. Um, he Cole probably doesn't even know who he's fighting. He's probably just like this bitch is in my way or this this suit's in my way. I'm blowing it up. And he's like, like wow, this one was easy to see because it's bright pink. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's he, he. He probably was like, oh, "Well, that was that's gone." All right, what's the next one? And he probably like killed like three or four more on the way to his col the colony, um, and thought about the same amount for each mobile suit that he did for Siemens. So she unceremoniously dies, um, and then we go and we see the Gato inside the colony. Um, he is doing the colony's final course correction. Uh, to make sure it hits Jabrow. Um, and then he encounters Nina. Um, Nina pulls a gun on him. Uh, but I feel like Scotty's got something to say here. Well, I was going to say an important detail here is he says he's doing the final course corrections, but at no point does anyone from the Delaz fleet mention that they are targeting Jabro, and neither does Gato. And he's doing final course corrections and completes them. And then we have to go through this big, long dialogue because Gato really only cares about Stardust now and not girls like Nina. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so Nina pulls a gun on him and uh, basically just hands him the gun because why would you do anything with a gun if you pull it on somebody? Um, but Cole does. Cole shoots 
uh, Gato, and Gato is still able to pull the uh, whatever tr switch that is that the irreversible coordinate yeah. confirming lever. Yeah, he he pulls the plot switch, and <laughs> the ship adjusts. Um, yeah, so Nina doesn't think that Gato needs to die because Ko at this point is like, "All right, this guy needs to fucking die." Um, but Nina's like, "No, he's he's nice. We need to not kill him." Like, let's abstract this a little bit, guys. Gato is about to com commit mass genocide on Earth by dropping a colony on to the planet that previously killed half of the planet's population. And Nina's like, no, he doesn't deserve it. He, we can redeem him. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This uh, whole sequence here, this whole scene, I, this is where, to me, all of the out-of-nowhere stuff that they do starting in episode eight like tries to pay off and it can't do it the plot pays off but the characters are just you don't like i don't like any of them by this point i'm like you all suck yep so like the only character that you even come out thinking is smart is gato right like i i don't like yeah. his character but like you know nina nina pulls her gun on ko and and helps gato get out and Ko doesn't shoot her or him, and go and so Gato gets away with everything. Yeah, other other than Delaz getting killed. I mean, and then because they even cut to the shot of the Axis fleet recovering um, the men from the Delaz fleet, which was a deal that Gato made with them, and or Delaz made with them at least. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, yeah, the Axis fleet is rescuing these guys. He's getting everything he wanted. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, I'm sure he would have loved to have Daddy DeLaz hanging out with him, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, he, he, he still got an A on the exam. Like, he's still about to genocide Earth and yeah. walk away with a chick. So he basically just traded DeLaz for Nina, which, I mean, I don't know what he was doing with DeLaz, but it could be an upgrade at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, I, um, I mean, that ponytails. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Ko leaves the colony and um, he, and he's going to head back to the the Albion. Um, but Gato is out and he starts attacking Ko. Um, because, you know, like, it's not enough. Like, I, you're going to drop Earth, the, the colony on Earth, so you got to kill your your side chick's um, ex, whatever. Rival. Rival. Rival, whatever. Um, so yeah, we learned that the solar array has enough time to fire again, but it's, I think they said it was like at 25% of uh, the power that it was going to fire at before. Um, but Ko and Gato are still fighting like right around the colony. Um, and at this point, the Albion pulls out from the fight too, because they're basically like, we can't do anything here. Um, let's get the hell out. Um, Gato essentially eviscerates Ko at this point. Like he is just like destroying the um, Dendrobium like one piece at a time. Like here, you don't need this arm. You don't need this arm. You don't need this leg. Uh, I'll take your head off and, you know, um, and 
he they have he's basically wrapped around uh the unit three and the solar ray fires while they're grappled to each other um we see the colony miss jabaro and uh but it still hits the earth and ko is still alive somehow um the unit three is kind of all fucked up uh but the stamen is still see seems to be like in one piece so uh, that makes sense um the leftover Delaz fleet units they refuse to give up at this point um gato is basically uh, ordered them to charge through the federation fleet and if they can get to the axis fleet um so they make kind of like a mad rush to get through the fleet while attacking it but the and thing going on here at the same time is that the time limit for Axis being in the Earth sphere is over. Right. And so they're making, yeah. they're making this charge, but the Federation says, if you don't stop your recovery operation, we are going to attack. And Axis immediately stops. They're right. Like, right away. They're like, okay, we're gone. And now what we didn't bring up was that Karius has taken Nina to Axis, the Axis fleet, not to Axis, um, to the Axis fleet. And so she's on there and she's begging uh, I forget the guy's name, but like wanting him to stop. And he's basically like, nah, nah, we got to go. And they do. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So Gato dies in this, this last rush that they have. Um, and he, he kills himself. Like he's, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he takes another Magellan class with him, but, yeah, this is very much like just somebody flying a unit, uh, a mobile armor or something, or not a mobile armor, sorry, like a, a core fighter or something into something just to like blow it up. They're just like, he knows he knows what's going on. He's dead. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much that part of the show. Um, now we're kind of at the, uh, the cleanup of the show. We see Ko getting one year of hard labor for a, stealing the, the unit three ostensibly um we learned that the colony hit north america um we see the titans being founded so um, here's why this is important and why the, like the titans were able to do this on a somewhat clear conscience right and why you see jamatov at chabro and them canceling the evac and whatnot is that was the target that was the negotiated target of the colony drop North America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you see Basque, you know, attempting to stop it. And, but to me it was, you know, if it does fall, it's going to miss Jabbero and it's going to hit that because Basque, you, it mentions in his speech, how them taking out the granary farm and disrupting their food supply because North America is mostly deserted. Um, you know, like it was mostly depopulated during the one year war. Uh, and, so by them doing that, it's giving them yet another pretext in this whole thing. Yep. Yeah. So the Titans become get founded at this point, um, which is a lead into the Zeta portion of things. Um, and we also learned that the charges against Co were actually dropped um, because they had to delete all of the Gundam development plan data. So basically, like that, in order to de deny that um, all this stuff with Gundam had happened and that they violated the Antarctic Treaty, um, they had to 
delete all this data or classify it. And then, well, you can't, in this world, you can't put somebody in jail for no reason. So Co is able to get out. Um, yeah. So he gets his, you know, hard labor sentence and then it is quickly commuted as is tradition when Gundam pilots actually get in trouble. Yeah. Um, but now we, we do have to mention that it's March of 0084 when it gets commuted. And we're led to believe that the court martial is probably not long after Operation Stardust, which was in. Oh, sorry. No, they give a date. Um, it was December 4th. So he does yeah. serve like a few months. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Sullivan, the Anaheim guy on the moon, uh, shoots himself. He doesn't want to be implicated, knows what will happen, and he kills himself. And now, one thing they don't, I didn't see in the show notes, and I think this was just a later, I don't remember the source of it, but it is the canon here is that, uh, you know, Synapse was in charge of the Albion, and the entire Albion disregarded the orders given to them at Levian Rose by Commander Nakato. Um, and Synapse completely takes the fall for it and is executed. Yeah, I didn't see that anywhere. Yeah, that is, I don't remember where that's put. I don't remember if it was model kit notes or, you know, something in Gundam Ace or what, but that's the canon there is that Synapse, you don't see him again uh, because they kill him and or execute him. And Om um, briefly takes over, or is it, I don't remember if it's Basque or Jamitov that briefly is in command of the Albion. Hmm. Yeah, so we see... Um... Co heading to this base that turns out to be Oakley base. And we see Keith piloting a Gelgoog and he like gives uh Co his, his peace symbol with the mobile suit. And then uh, we also say, see Nina driving through. So they all kind of get like a happy reunion and we don't really see any of them ever again. Do we? No, no, we really don't. Did you notice the little shifty eyes thing Nina does before she smiles? Maybe at the time. I don't I didn't take notes of it, so you gotta go back and look. Like when she's like sees Co at first, she doesn't look very happy. Like she looks down and is like I wonder and if she then smiles yeah. and no, it's because she's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So that's the show. That's the show. We're not done with the show because we're gonna cover the manga, but that's the show. <laughs> Yeah, this I don't. So I I really like 0083, um, but it's two different shows. You've got the first half and the second half, two different directors. The first half is more lighthearted, more um, you know, giving giving good character development and whatnot. Even even if some of the characters suck, like Nina, um, and then the second <laughs> half is man, completely different tone and it basically throws all the character development away and just has them do what needs to be done to get the plot done um yeah the tonal the tonal shift after the director change was pretty massive um i i really liked the first half and i i, I liked the second half if that makes sense like yeah i didn't yeah. like it as much but i was still i still enjoyed it it's, it's still like, enjoyable to watch there is a lot of good action um i think if you're a gundam fan that prefers the side of it that is more high level plot, show me robots fighting, I don't care so much about the people, then I think you're gonna like the second half better. And we and we spoke about it before being saying that this is probably one of the best animated, like animated quality 
Gundam shows that there that, that there are right now. I mean, one of the best me. one of the best mecha shows. Period. I think. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like the the designs go, um, I really like the GPO one. Didn't really care for the GPO three. Um, I liked the stamen for the GPO three. <laughs> Well, it's because it's the GPO one, as he said. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a model kit out for it, and it's like you can get it, but it's like two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, it's a, it's a high grain. It's really big, and it's really, um, it's actually a really cool model kit. It's just like, like you said, it's, it's, it's like perfect grade, expensive. And I think it, it requires like screws and stuff like that. And it, it's big. It's it's like a big. It's like a. It's a hardy model. I think so I read it was like two meters. Yeah, um, but that's a lot of that is from the big lance-like weapon. But um, now screws were more common in bigger kits and master grades around uh, the turn of the century. Like that was, you see a few now, but not nearly as many. Uh, but you, if you go back 20 years to the kits that were new, especially the nicer kits at the time, seeing some screws is not in any way unusual in springs and things like that. Yeah. Um, they, they, you know, they, they are not afraid to use those mechanisms. Uh, I've always got a soft spot for the GPO one FB because that was my first master grade that I put together. Um, talking about yeah. 20 years ago, it was about that long. And uh, I always just thought I knew nothing about the show at the time. It hadn't aired on Toonami yet. And mm. I just oh. thought it was cool. Oh, dude, I was wrong. It's not a master grade. It's a high grade, and it's two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that sounds right. <laughs> do you know how, you know how big a one one hundred one would be? Like the size of this oh room. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would build that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anybody else got anything to say? I said it as we went. Yeah. 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 All right. So um, check us check us out. The next episode we're going to cover the uh, the manga. Um, so I think it's going to be uh, volumes eight through eleven. Um, and if some for some miraculous things, volume twelve gets released before we read it, we might do that too. But I, I don't think Zionic is that fast. He just put out eleven in January, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, feel free to reach out to us. We're at New Type Flash Pod on Twitter and. Feel free to engage with us on our um, Reddit uh, posts for each episode. Um, until then, uh, thanks for listening. Later. <laughs>